Hey guys, Sonali here. We're working very hard to put together new episodes for you. It just takes a while to find new guests and schedule the recording, do the actual recording and edit the episode and so on. So hang on for a while. But until the next new episode, here's a rebroadcast of one of our earlier episodes. This one features a management consultant on how he excels at his job. Enjoy. Hello everyone, this is Sonali Mangal and welcome to another episode of Learn, Educate, Discover. On this podcast, we invite people from different professions on each of our episodes and we ask them a range of questions to try and understand what their job is all about. The goal of this podcast is to try and educate our listeners about as many different kind of jobs as we can so that someone listening to the show can decide does a certain job sound interesting to them and if yes, how do they go about exploring it further. Now, today's episode is a little bit different in that instead of going into the details of a certain job per se, we'll be talking about how you can excel at a particular job and that is management consulting. So we've already explored this job in a fair amount of detail in some of our previous episodes. On episode three, we had Rahul Mangla, who is a consultant at McKinsey and Company, talk about what this job is really all about. And then again, on episode number eight, we had Ko, who is a consultant with A.D. Carney, again, go into the details of management consulting. And on today's episode, our guest is Akash Mayur and Akash is a consultant with A.T. Carney. A.T. Carney is a very well-known management consulting firm that is ranked amongst the top consulting firms globally. And Akash has done very well at A.T. Carney. He joined as an associate and then within about a year and a half or so, he got promoted to a manager, which is on the faster track. And now he's been working as a manager with A.T. Carney for again about a year and a half. Akash has a bachelor's in engineering from McMaster University and he also has an MBA from the University of Western Ontario Richard Ivey School of Business. So I hope that you really enjoy today's discussion. You'll find that Akash really shares a number of really great insights on things that he does and things I'm sure you can do also to improve as a consultant. So I hope you enjoy today's discussion and without further ado, let's welcome Akash. Hey Akash, hi, how are you? I'm doing well, Sonali, how are you? I'm good, thank you so much and I'm so excited about today's episode because for our listeners, Akash and I used to work together, we were both at AD Carney in a previous life, I was a consultant myself and now I'm going to learn all of your secrets, Akash. <laughs> Sounds good, Sonali, well we've worked together so you know all my secrets. No, uh, I some don't. Some of them were developed while working with you. Oh, cool. All right. So I'm very curious about this. All right. So I think to set things up a little bit, maybe you can tell us a little bit about like, you know, just introduce yourself and what have you been up to recently? Yeah, sure. So maybe just a walkthrough of how I started off and uh, how life led me to management consulting would be interesting. And then uh, maybe I'll talk a little bit more about my personal life as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, So I did my engineering, electrical engineering. Uh, in undergrad and I worked as an engineer for five years and when I say I worked as an engineer I spent a couple of years on the shop floor as a production supervisor then I worked as a design engineer for a couple of years and then I did some uh, product development for a year or so mm-hmm. uh, at that time engineering is like you go so deep into one subject uh, that it was a mind uh, just mind numbing for me. And I thought it was time for a change. And I decided to go to MBA school, the sort of things that excited me about my previous job. It, as I was talking to more and more people, it turned out it would be a good fit for management consulting. And 
that's how I got interested in, in it and I applied for Carney and then Carney came about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you, you did a sort of a good job introducing myself. We, we were there together. Uh, I've been at Carney for about three years now and it's been a, it's been a great ride. Uh, that's, so that's a little bit of background on professionally. And then personally, uh, as you know, life's been changing very quickly for, for me. We just had a, my wife and I just had a, uh, a kid. She's five months old now. So <laughs> congratulations! We'll, yeah, thanks. We're we're learning every day with with minimal sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess if if you were already not short on sleep, you're short on sleep even more. Um, yeah. No, but I mean seriously, for our listeners, Akash is a great, great guy to work with, and uh, I saw firsthand that you were very well regarded both within the company amongst other consultants at AD Carney and also amongst our clients that you were working with. Uh, so yeah, really, really excited about the tips you're going to share. So I, I think if you can also describe the job a little bit, right? Like how would you describe the job of a management consultant? Yeah, well, thanks a lot for the, all the flattering words. <laughs> um, uh, that's very kind. Uh, so the job uh, for of, of a management consultant, I guess it's it's built around addressing issues which are usually top of mind for either C level exec executives or uh, senior executives, so the SVP or maybe even a, even a VP in an organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the range of topics, just to give a flavor on what some of top of mind issues might be for these executives. So it could be anywhere for from a uh, due diligence that a company might be doing for a, for a merger or for an integration. Uh, it could be your traditional market entry uh, that comes to mind when people think consulting. Uh, it could be something to do with org design or operating model, or it could, uh, as is the case right now, it could it could very much be around resetting the cost structure mm-hmm. uh, of of the firm. So. I, I think as a management consultant, you end up addressing these issues um, and then providing your recommendations and a path forward uh, to the executives. Yeah. And generally, you work on these problems in a team and the project would last for a certain period of time. Yeah, that's right. So the team size, I would say, varies. It, it usually ends up being one manager uh, along with uh, anywhere from one analyst to a team of uh, three to four analysts or associates, of course, having a, a principal and a partner in okay. there as well. Right. Um, so, so yeah, the team size is about three or four, uh, and the time, the duration of the project could be anywhere as short as a as a week or two weeks to uh, usually about uh, four to six months. I would say on an average, our, our projects are like more more close to three months mark. Right, exactly. And so it, these projects can get pretty intense, where on a regular, I mean, pretty much on a daily basis, you're trying to make a lot of progress and sharing that progress with your clients. 100%. I mean, uh, it's a very short amount of time. And as you know, imagine consulting you, uh, the clients do end up paying a hefty piece, uh, fees. So and, and the reason for that fees is because you are providing something which is of value to them on a very short time span. So mm-hmm. Uh, each day is of importance and um, we have to act quick and which which ends up taking a lot of hours and <laughs> get it done quickly. Yeah, so it's a high pressure job. And again, to set things up, it is also a job where typically you're traveling to the client side. So you're, it's not like you're coming back home. Let's say you're based out of San Francisco, but your client is in New York. Every week you'll be flying to New York and staying at a hotel for for like four to five days and then coming back and then going back again. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, traditionally, I think the model that the most companies employ is um, 
leave your home office Monday morning and then come back Thursday evening. Uh, now, depending on the project, uh, there could be some flexibility or not. <laughs> uh, sometimes it could be uh, there's a, a, a week where you don't need to be on the ground. You can work re- totally remotely from the office. Or uh, it could be that you have to travel internationally and you're away for two weeks uh, and, and not at home at all. So right. it can vary from those two extremes. But I would say on an average, uh, you are on the ground at your client site from, from Monday to Thursday. <laughs> so it's it's a fun, high-pressure job. All right. So what do you think makes a great management consultant? A great management consultant? <laughs> okay. So... I, I sort of think that there are three layers to to a management consultant. And, and let me describe it and then we'll get into more details. So I think the layer one has to do with more the analytics and the problem solving pieces of it. Um, the layer two is, is more about, uh, I would say, ability to have a conversation. But beyond just having a conversation, I think it's about your communication skills, about your presentation skills, about your ability to persuade somebody. And, and the layer three is uh, about having EQ, about being able to read the room, about being able to read not only what is being said, but also being able to read on what is not being said. So I think a great management consultant, in, in my opinion, is, is is somebody who has all those three skills. Hmm. This is actually so and I love I, it's always so uh, easy to talk to a consultant because you guys structure everything into bullet points of three each and every time (laughs) for each and every answer so it's very easy to follow so let's go over each one of them right can you share examples i think analytics and problem solving is pretty straightforward but if you can illustrate with an example yeah so i I think this is where i think this is almost table and so the way i laid out these three you can also think of these three as uh, something which is required as I require as you take the next step in your career, right? So analytics and problem solving uh, for those of you who are just coming out of the school and listening to this, it, it's very similar to what you might be working on a school project. Somebody dumps a bunch of data on, on you and you're supposed to uh, look for some kind of pattern and draw some conclusions or recommendations from it, right? It, 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 it could be uh, analyzing uh, for example, I, I, I just thought of something from a case that we had done in school. We had data for reservations at a hotel, and we had to figure out by looking at all all of that data on what is the best price point that the hotel should be selling its room per night at. Uh, and then from there, figure out on what the rate should be on weekdays and weekends and holidays. Uh, what should be the rate when somebody calls in compares to what you see on booking.com or hotels.com or whatever the website would be and what should be the rate be at, at, at on their website. So I think that's, it's dealing that's with all, good like, example. All, all that yeah. data. So I guess you, you have certain uh, goals that you want to get, which is that, hey, I want to maximize revenue, but uh, sure. you know, I, I don't want to turn away customers, whatever, some, some, some kind of criteria. And then you're trying to figure out the pricing. So yeah, that, that's a great example. And those are the kind of problems that you might be working on and you have to work on them in a short period of time and under a fair amount of pressure. So that's the first layer that you described. And then the second layer was conversations and the ability to persuade. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so when I think of consulting, I sort of two elements to it, right? Like there's the quantitative piece, but there's also the qualitative piece. Without 
hearing some so as consultants as we 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 were talking sonali we said that you we go in for three months uh to a client side mm-hmm. it's likely that the people who have been working there for years and years and some people have spent their entire career working for this company know so much more than you you would ever be able to figure out in the three months that you're there uh but the problem that you're trying to solve uh this person or this team of people or whoever you're meeting can educate you about this problem and give you tidbits that you are not going to be able to find by looking at a spreadsheet. Mm, right. Um, and and, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Like, so we were working for a pharma company and there was, without getting into the details of uh, the recommendation, the conclusion that we were drawing, we wanted to go with one of the suggestions to the senior executives. Now, as we developed and got to this approach, we, when we were talking to people on the ground, they told us uh, that they had already tried something like this five or six years ago. I see. Uh, if we were to work in isolation and only look at those spreadsheets, we would have gone to the executives and said, well, you know, here's this is the right thing to do. If you were to do this, it would uh, make you this much money or save you this much money or whatever the case might be. But having spoken to these people, it enriched our recommendation or conclusion that much more because they were pro- able to provide us insights on what had happened on the ground, which led to either the project failing or never taking off? And what are some of the steps they could have taken uh, or they should take in the future to not have that replicate again? Okay, no, this is this is a very, very good point. So you're saying it's not just about sort of going in there and then sitting in your room and analyzing all the data and coming up with the recommendation. You also have to be a good listener and you probably have to go out and try and meet as many people at the client side as you can and just listen to what they have to say because those inputs are probably crucial to coming up with a good recommendation. Yeah, absolutely, Sonali. I, I think as you play it back to me on what I'm saying, you you are doing a much better job than I am <laughs> on saying on what I want to say. All right, cool. So I'm a good podcast host. <laughs> anyway, um, and, and so and you also talked about ability to persuade, right? So interwoven with the conversation piece was the ability to persuade. Yeah, so I, I sort of wrapped that up, and for the people who are listening, this is not very Misi, but to take it for a word for And Misi, by the word. way, this is consultant speak for mutually exclusive, comprehensively exhaustive, collectively exhaustive. I think, exhaustive. but yeah, it's same, yeah. same, same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, ability to persuade. I think of this as whenever you are meeting somebody, there is some kind of a sales transaction going on. You are selling an idea. Uh, and when I think of ability to persuade, it's the same idea as when you go in to buy a car in a showroom, right? This, this guy is selling you something and he's telling you about the features and he is, he is trying to figure out on what is it that you want and tell you that this car is going to do that for you. Uh, we just recently had a kid. So on top of my mind, when we went to buy a car recently was, hey, uh, it should be super safe if you got into an accident. It should be uh, lots of space in it, right? Mm-hmm. So, and a, a good salesperson would be able to read those things that are top of mind for me, safety and space and all of that, and be able to sell me something on those terms. So I think it's the same idea in consulting. When we go and we know we think that the right path forward uh, for a client is X, Y, and Z. Now that path forward, X, Y, and Z could be for a 
for multiple dimensions or for multiple reasons that the right path for them. But if I go to an executive and, and I tell him or her that it's all these 10 reasons that you should do this. Well, one, I don't, I think you lose them if you were to tell them all those 10 reasons, what they're really concerned about, it might be only two, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think being able to hit those two is, is something which I'm relating to persuasion. No, that's very important. So you're, it's almost like the ability to identify what are the most important things for this person and tie right. your final recommendation to those things because then it'll be that much more impactful and persuasive. Right. Yeah. And then the last layer, the topmost layer that you identified was EQ or emotional quotient. Yeah. So EQ is, I think, perhaps maybe harder to describe, but I'll, I'll take a take an attempt at it. I think it's, it's, it's the ability to understand people and being able to relate to them. Uh, it's, it's, it's being able to understand not just what is being said in the room, but also what is not being said in the room. I, I think the, uh, any, any conversation uh, takes place at, at two levels, right? It, it takes place at a very logical and a rational level. Mm-hmm. And then it also takes place at a very emotional level. The p- people who have high IQ are able to follow the the logical and the rational part of it, but you, they're not able to necessarily pick up on the emotions. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the EQ comes in. Now, <laughs> I have to put a disclaimer here. Uh, <laughs> when all of this is sort of, it's not that I figure all of this out, yeah. out on my own. What I'm saying, I I I I, I read uh, one of the newsletters or. Uh, uh, website for Victor Chang, who's who's one of the guy who does a lot of case interviews, and he has his website caseinterview.com. So some of this might be coming from him because I think I got a newsletter from him, and as I was reading it, I was like, man, this makes so much sense. That's um, a good resource for anyway. Yeah. No, don't worry. We're not thinking that you're you got it all nailed down, Akash. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. So I I, I guess that perhaps describes EQ. Uh, does that make sense, Molly? No, no, that helps a lot. And I think I think where something like that might come a lot into play is that let's say you have to deliver a fairly controversial recommendation to a room of, let's say, 10 executives who are sort of, um, you know, 10 levels senior to you and all of that. That is when it's really important. I mean, just one of the examples when you're able, to, you should be able to read the room as opposed to just rattling off your recommendation and hoping that it's going to fly well. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, and, and an example actually comes to mind. Uh, actually, if, when we were in training, uh, bef- uh, at, when we first joined AD Carney, one of the things that you're doing in training is is learning how to interview. And interviewing is basically when you're at the client, you are talking to different people. And that's what we term as interviewing and understanding on what their situation is and sort of getting the data that we want to get from them. Uh, and this is a simulation. So the people that we are interviewing have been asked to act in a certain way. And, and, and we have been giving a script or we have prepared questions that we have to get answers to these questions. I remember going into this room and looking at this person and he was visibly upset. Mm. Uh, and there was, there was me and a couple of my colleagues and we sort of did not pay attention that this person was upset. Instead, we just sort of stuck to our ans- or to our questions. And kept asking him again and again for the data. And this guy just kept saying no. But we never addressed that why he was upset. Right. Now, if I, if I think back, it, it's so human. 
<laughs> to ask on why you're upset. Yeah. But when you're doing the job, for some reason, it makes you robotic. I, I, I don't know why. Or at least that first time when I was doing it, it made me robotic. Yeah, yeah um, that's a very good point. And I remember that training now, now that you say it, where each person was already told to act in a certain way. And it was important to take that into account. And, and, and that's yeah. real life. That's how it plays. Yeah, so I, I, I also think of this each thing as being human. I think talking to clients as you would talk in real life and not just being robotic management consultants that some of our clients think us to be. Is, is that uh, one of it, your tips? How to excel as a management consultant? Talk to clients yeah. like they're humans. <laughs> be human. <laughs> That's a good tip. Okay. No, but this, this is really good, Akash. And I think this, this helps us understand both the job, the context of the job, and also what are the kind of things you're dealing with and what are the key aspects of really doing well as a consultant. So now let's let's get into the tactics. If I were to ask you, what are the things that you do to really excel as a management consultant, what would they be? So I think the, the answer to this is very much on the three points that we covered earlier, right? So I, I think tactically, again, I'll, I'll just pick on those three and then I'll maybe give examples on what perhaps I have done. Okay. Uh, so the analytical skills part of it. I, I, I think... To me, this is very much table stakes. Anybody who's coming from a science background or a math background or law background or whatever it might be, if you don't already know this, consulting will teach you this and you should be able to pick up on it. And what I mean by that is being able to crunch through a spreadsheet, right? Either you're learning how to do regression or you're learning how to do some formulas or you're drawing nice graphs and uh, in PowerPoint or Tableau or whatever the software might be. So I, I think one, it's learning those tools, which I think is the easy part. Right. And actually, but just a quick this thing, right? That's that's an important part. It's something which hopefully anyone can pick up, but it's also a place where I know a lot of people struggle. So uh, do you have any resources in mind that people can look at if they're just trying to improve their Excel skills? Yeah. So I remember when we were, when I was doing my MBA, there were couple of things that I had used there was I you know the name escapes me uh, but they were there was an organization which came to our school and did a one-day session with us on on Excel and, and just on how to make a good spreadsheet or like uh, uh, the shortcuts to Excel or how to use it without using a mouse yeah yeah uh, no this is helpful right? so maybe if you can find the link I can include it in the show notes for the episode yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. Uh, and, and I also remember doing this for free and, and just going on and doing one of those trainings. Like I, there's so many resources available on YouTube. So I, I think if somebody was to just Google Excel training, hmm. you should be able to pick that pick up on yeah. that easily. Yeah. Okay. So that's sort of your analytics piece. Anything else on the analytics piece? No, I, I think I think we're good there. Okay. Um, yeah. So next you want to tie your tips to the communication skills piece. The communication skills, right. So <laughs> I've been thinking about it because I, I did say it wasn't messy. So maybe all of this communication, having a conversation, presentation, I think if I was to put one word to it, I would say it's storytelling, mm-hmm. right? And I, I, I think it comes down to be able to wrap up everything that you have done with your analytical skills and whatever insights is it that you've found and wrap up everything that you have learned from the people that you have interviewed and, and chatted with. So weaving your quantitative uh, and your qualitative 
uh, insights into a conclusion and a recommendation uh, and synthesize in a easy to understand way uh, for for your audience uh, is, is 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 my number two and I, I I think for your audience being being very important here uh, if you have a senior executive uh, a C level guy what he wants to get out of the presentation is going to be very different than if you were dealing with um, somebody who is very much on the operation side right right although it's the same recommendation and the same conclusion that you're presenting they would want to know two very different things that's a very good point so can you share an example of what that difference might look like yeah so um, let's let's I'm just think, thinking of an example um, from our from one of the projects that we might have done mm-hmm. okay so we uh, let me to paint the picture so we were doing a due diligence whether this company should go forward with a joint venture or not uh, and to figure out whether to go forward with a joint venture there's there was a, a number of elements that we were looking at but one of them being on what are the synergies to come out of it now to understand the synergies both on the cost and the revenue side you had to go through all the different line items, right? So you were looking at your COGS, you're looking at your SGNA, you were looking at all the different cost elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we presented it to the CEO, he just wanted the big number on how you got to it. And he was more concerned on what, what your recommendation is, whether you want to go forward with the joint venture or not. Okay. And if you do yeah. want to go over the joint venture, what are the three reasons that you want to go forward with it? Right. And he just wants to debate, talk about it at a very strategic level. But for the person uh, who would be put in charge of implementing this joint venture, he wanted to know on how we came up with the numbers. What were our assumptions that we made? Uh, What were the data sources that we got at, right? So- Two very different uh, point of views, yeah. Right. Yeah, okay, no, that is very, very helpful. And you talked about that, you know, it's ultimately it comes down to being able to wrap up everything that you've learned and your recommendation into a story for your audience, right? So. Do you do anything to improve your storytelling skills? Uh, yeah. I, or like what, I what I'm, makes I'm, a good story? I'm, I'm constantly learning on your, the storytelling piece of it. And I'm trying to think on what is it that I actively do to improve it. One of the things is in, in consulting that we learn from our managers or principals or partners. Um, but I think the other thing that makes you get better at it is also those conversations, right? Like when you, when you have a nice recommendations and wrapped, you've wrapped up your analysis and you've synthesized all the data and all of that, hopefully before you did all of that or along with it, you've had discussions with your stakeholders. And from those discussions, you should have been, you should have been able to figure out on what, what is it that they needed or what is it that they want to hear or, 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 or are looking for. Um, and I, I guess storytelling becomes about being able to tie back whatever you found to the discussions that you had, you've had previously. I see. So it's so I think what you're trying to say is that when you're presenting your final recommendation, it's not purely sort of showing them the data and you know this is what the data says. You're you're actively bringing in all the conversations and the people you've met, and how all of that ties into your final recommendation. 
Yeah, yeah. So Sunal, I, I was saying earlier, right? Like it's 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 weaving into that quantitative and mm-hmm. the qualitative side of it, right? Yeah. Like so. I mean, I think our conversation is focused very heavily on on the data side of things. But think of an and and I know you have probably done some of these projects is like organization design projects or operating model projects. They are very data light and very qualitative heavy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Um, and, and it's just interviews after interviews and figuring out what is it that people, what, what the roles of people are and how they intersect in across different departments within an organization, uh, and, and what a new organization structure should look like. And, and all of that usually comes from, from, from interviews from and, and not, and less so from, from, from heavy Excel skills. Well, that's a very good point. So do you do anything to, because I mean, if I if I take a step back and think about what it's like, you're someone who is a complete stranger to a new organization. And now let's say like take let's take the example that you just gave, you have to come up with a new organization structure. And let's say there are 100 potential people that you can meet who may have a point of view on this, but none of them know you, you don't know them, you don't know what they are, you don't know what they look what they like do not like. How do you broach these conversations? Yeah, so I, I think, Sonali, this is one of the toughest parts of the job uh, because every time you get into an engagement, it's you're starting those relationships uh, fresh. Um, and I, I don't think there's an easy way to break into any of these uh, conversations. Most of the times there has been a, a CEO or a C-level agenda and these people that you're talking to have been told that they have to talk to these consultants. Uh, whether they want to or not, and 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 some and you get a mix of it, right? Some people are indifferent. Some people don't want to don't want to talk to consultants because they've had some bad experiences in the past, or they have some misgivings on why we are there. And and some people are happy to talk to it, talk to us. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the initial conversation is just about uh, being very transparent on what is it that you want from the conversation and why you're there, uh, and, and just getting to it. But as you go along in that conversation, and I'll, I'll bring back to it that being human, um, I, I, I remember having a conversation with one of the senior clients who was an R&D, and we were, him and I were, were talking about pretty much eliminating his entire organization. Wow. And yeah. it's, it's a very difficult conversation, and this is like the second or the third time that we're meeting him. And it was important to do that because we wanted to understand on what would the impact be on the organization if that happened. And before going into the room, like I put myself in his shoes. I I thought of the people that he had worked with day in, day out for 12 or 13 years and had the kind of relationship that he must have had with his people and what he would have developed and the feelings that he might have. There's no way that I could really empathize with him but I tried to put myself in that situation so when I go in I could at least try to relate um, and, and there were many times where I was just upfront as like hey John I, I I know this is a very tough conversation and I'm I'm sorry that we're ha- not not I take that back not sorry because you this is your job and that's why you're there I understand this is a very tough conversation and uh, this must be very tough for you uh, but just sort of bringing back on why it is yeah. that it's necessary to do. Yeah. But there's no no easy way out of it. Boy, yeah, that th- those conversations are, I guess, definitely, you probably don't want to have them. You don't want to have a lot of them in your life anyway. Um, 
but yeah so and have you found any other things that you found helpful in just initially breaking that ice with uh, new clients i mean the situation that you described is is anyway a very very sensitive one but even otherwise um yeah so even otherwise so yeah and I, i i the one that i'll point is is very mm, sensitive uh some of the other situations is that which i think works well i don't know about breaking the ice as much but as you get to know the person a little bit better uh as you're going in for your interim review presentations or your weekly reviews one of the things that we try to do is is the people that you're close to is letting them own and present the work um which sort of does two things right it it tells the person that you're not in there to take credit for all the work that they've been doing uh and it's likely that the work that you have done in the two weeks or three weeks or four weeks is built on the work that these people have been doing and you're going in there and you're taking it to the next level so letting them present it does two things it it makes them feel comfortable and trust you and the second thing it also does is that it it sets up a very strong organic framework within the organization which uh can help for future implementation of whatever strategy or recommendation that you're going to leave this place with right yeah cuz suddenly they will start feeling much more ownership over that thing if they actually start presenting it right 100% yeah, yeah. okay this is really really good and and your third layer was eq i i don't know what you'll share under eq but is, is there <laughs> yeah. is there as, a, I, as as we were talking about point 2 in the back of my head it was like what what example am i going to give for eq <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh i you know what sorry i don't know for for eq and how i i think i think this is one of the harder ones i feel like a lot of people who don't make it into consulting are not the people who don't have high iq or are not good at analytical skills i i think it's because they're not able to relate to the client um and i i don't know what's an easy way or any way to to learn that um I I know again I'm I'm going to bring this Victor Chang thing and I I feel like I'm advertising for him but I know <laughs> yeah. he does like seminars or or workshops to to talk about this this subject. Uh the the other ones being I mean I I think it's just being trying putting yourself in another person's shoes maybe a step one to developing that that EQ and understanding others points of view. Um Like, so I I it, I know I know this is a hard topic but I know that you're good at this because I have seen you work as a consultant and I I won't take the name of the client but I remember one of the projects that we worked on and the client was going through a very tough situation uh but you were able to establish after some time a very good rapport with the client and what what do you think it is I mean it, and it could be simple things maybe maybe you sort of take your time maybe you don't sort of get to the like you know hey you know like it's business as usual as usual maybe you're not very transactional like what is your approach you think which helps you develop that relationship with clients so i i think sony a lot of it is just listening uh less talking and more listening especially upfront uh uh other things that i try to do is is when you go in a room is observing on what's around you and in this client that we were talking about this is silly right this uh i had gone to i think of you were in chicago and i went to this guy's office where the relationship was tough and i i sat down and i looked around in his office and i observed on what are the things that he had up he had a 
He had a certificate of a marathon that he had completed. There was pictures of his family. Uh, I, I remember the pictures were taking around Halloween time. There were p- pumpkins around, right? So I, I took a break from the serious topic that we were discussing and we were like, hey, so you were running a marathon. Tell me about it. Or I sort of try to bring my own experiences at it. Uh, and hey, I, I have done a 5K. And I almost died after doing a 5K. I can't even imagine how you did a 42K. Right. So yeah. it's 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 silliness like that, which I think works for me. I, I don't know if it'll work for uh, other people, but I, I try to relate to them. Uh, I, I try to put my bring my different pieces of my life, although the situation might not exactly be the same mm. to uh, and apply them to that scenario. Um, the I, the other thing that I think that works really well is face to face conversations rather than doing it over the phone. I, I think the situation that you were describing, Sonali, I think that was one of the differences uh, on being on the ground in person rather than doing over the phone. Yeah, that's a good point because a lot of times when you're working with clients that are spread out across the globe, it might not always be very easy to meet them in person, at least not all of them. But depending on the situation, you might want to. Yeah, and I, I think this goes back to the what we were discuss, discussing initially is is uh, that the conversation happens at two levels, right? It, it happens at what is being said mm. and then what is not being said. Mm. And what is not being said, it's hard to read that over the phone. It's almost impossible to read that over the phone. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Akash, I think this was this was really, really good. You gave us some great insights in terms of really what, what helps you excel as a consultant. That, that probably constitutes 99% of it. But is there like a remaining 1%, let's say some best practices around things that you should do on any engagement? Yeah, well, fair. I, I mean, I think you covered ninety nine percent of it. I think that's. I, I wish I, I told you ninety nine percent of it, but this, which would be great. But I, I don't think I have. Uh, but I, I get your get your question. Yeah. So um, I, I think very tactically, Sonali. I think week one when you're on the ground, um, one of the things that I increasingly increasingly think about is what is our end deck that we want to present, and what I mean by that is. Um, what do we think our uh, our recommendation is going to be? So if you filter that back one layer, it's about what is the hypothesis that we're trying to prove or disprove? And uh, whatever that is from there, um, what kind of data do we need to, to be able to prove that hypothesis? What are the, who are the people that we need to meet who can tell us more of the qualitative side and get that information from them? So it's about having a, a, a skeleton of, that deck ready skeleton of that analysis ready uh, even before you have begun or, or day one of when you've begun oh wow you okay. of course okay. you of course refine the deck as you go along and maybe the hypothesis doesn't get proven the way you were thinking of and that's fine um, but it's, it's about having being ready because you know we talked about working very short and compressed timelines right. and I think having that kind of preparation makes your six weeks or three months uh, much easier. Yeah, you hit the ground running and you have something to begin working towards right from the get-go. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. What else? Um, number two would be, uh, I, I guess, part of this whole thing is uh, being able to get that data on time and getting the interviews set up and the meeting set up. And I think that one's more important as well because let's say you're in there for a six-week engagement. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes it turns out that some of the key people are out on vacation or two weeks or, or two weeks of, out of those six weeks and it just makes your job that much tougher so if you haven't planned ahead of time you might, you might never be able to get to these people 
I see. Yeah. So you so you try and get their calendars on in sort of in your first week itself and put those meetings in place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I think that's this is all very much housekeeping, logistical things. No, but this is helpful. This is helpful. Done. Yeah, I mean, these small things can have a huge impact, right? Because if you don't set up that meeting and then some key stakeholder is out of office, I mean, that could that could seriously impact your work then. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, the other couple of things I would say is uh, is about getting to know your own team. Uh, consulting is is different in this sense. In, uh, compared to industry is that likely the people that you'll be working on your team with, whether it's a manager or a principal or a partner or associate or analyst, are the people that you have maybe met but never worked on before. Yeah. Um, and as much consulting companies try to standardize and give the same experience, every person is different. And we should be able to, be able to account for that. And, and that can be done by having initial meetings where you set expectations. The manager can tell you on what sort of his style of working is, what his idiosyncrasies are, what is it that he or she expects right. from you. Yeah. And, and the same thing back from anybody else who's on the yeah. team, right? Um, That's a great I, idea. I, it also helps that I'm sure it helps the team work better together because you get a sense for if you can meet, if you can on day one align on this is what I expect, this is what I like. And each one, each person on the team says that. That probably helps the rest of the projects uh, go a, mo- a lot smoother. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, and I think I, I have one more for you, Sonali. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I think all this yours. is the last one. Yeah. Um, I think the last one is uh, getting to know your client even before you arrive on the ground. There's there's so much information uh, on the web that you can read about the client. Uh, whether and, and don't don't take anything else. Just take their quarterly report or their annual report. There's more information that you'll find on that report than you'll find anywhere else, and likely information that a, a lot of people in your in your client's organization organization won't know about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you and, uh, you read you read the the sort of the annual report or the 10k. Yeah. Okay. And are there any particular things that you look for in the annual report? Well, yeah. I mean, some of the simple ones is just what's been the trends on your revenue and cost, which is the most straightforward. Uh, if, uh, once you start looking a little bit deeper, is uh, which are the business segments which are doing well, or are there some new uh, recent business segments that have been added? Uh, you try to get feel for the people who are at the organization and sort of what their tenure has been. Uh, they can even tell you about um, uh, on how the shareholders have been at, at the company. It can give you a feel for the culture of the company, uh, depending on what their values are, right? And I, yeah, a, a lot of information. Yeah, and I'm sure this helps you when you're finally on the ground. You're just much more familiar with the client, and it'll help you in those conversations a lot more. Like as opposed to appearing like a complete stranger who doesn't know anything. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. All right. It's wonderful. Like this was excellent. Thank you so much. Anything else that comes to mind? Well, the other thing, the only thing that comes to mind is I think a lot of people who are looking to get into the job uh, are having questions very similar to what you and I discussed. Uh, I feel people who approach me uh, could do this kind of research by listening to your podcast. And I know having gone through your website that you have podcasts there from consultants, not just myself, but others as well which will help bring a very diverse perspective to to your audience uh, and get them ready to have more meaningful conversations when they reach out to the companies that they want to interview at. 
I'm very happy to hear that. So you you plugged two people. One is Victor Shank, <laughs> yeah. and the other is me. I should be getting royalties for this. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot, Akash. This was wonderful, and uh, I hopefully I'll see you around sometime if you're ever in California. Of course. Great chatting as usual, Sonali. Thanks, Akash. Take care. Bye bye. All right, so that was Akash on what he does to excel as a management consultant. I really hope that you enjoyed today's discussion and if you enjoyed it as much as I did, you should subscribe to the podcast. Simply search for Learn, Educate, Discover on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or whatever your favorite player of choice is. Hit subscribe and while you're at it, leave us a review. It really really means a lot and it helps a lot with the ranking, so leave a review. You can also check out our website at www.learneducatediscover.com where you'll find a list of all the previous episodes as well as other helpful resources. You can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter on our website where we share not only a list of new episodes but even other helpful resources. So as an example, in the most recent edition, we shared a whole bunch of really really helpful resources for anyone who's interested in a career in data science. And this was put together by Yashaswini Kotrish. another guest on our podcast who is a data scientist with Walmart Labs. We also shared some interesting apps such as Headspace, which is a great app for anyone who is interested in introducing some mindfulness into their lives. So, check out our newsletter. Just go to www.learneducatediscover.com where you can subscribe to the newsletter. Of course, if you have any questions at all for Akash or for me, you can email us at hello at learneducatediscover.com or tweet at us at LED underscore curator. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learn, educate, discover, where if you like the page, you'll start getting updates on all the great episodes that we are putting together right there in your Facebook newsfeed. So that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. And until the next one, adios.